Hey, everybody, this is Pastor Luke McDonald, and this is the Good News in the Neighborhood podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You're going to find two things in this feed in this season. You're going to find Sunday sermons from our church in Palatine, Illinois, and you're going to find an occasional little piece of content that is towards our initiative to try to help our church read the Bible more regularly. It's called Good With Our Bibles. We're trying to read the Bible regularly, and we're trying to interpret it accurately. And that's what you're going to find in this feed. We are a multi-ethnic Bible-teaching life-giving church. This is our little theme song that you're hearing in the background. And uh, it helps us, anything you do, rating the podcast, sharing it, all that stuff helps the word get out. We're not trying to build the name of a church. We're trying to build the name of Jesus in our little local community. And if you found this, I hope it's useful to you. Thank you. Let's listen now. Hey, man, I'm Luke. Uh, okay, yeah, one clap for Bobby's announcements. That was good. One person had one clap. We're... Uh, I don't know. I, uh, I, don't, I noticed if you're with us often, uh, which if you're new, I met a bunch of new people today. Welcome. Snow Sunday's an awesome time to check it out. We're thrilled that you're here. Uh, the band had a little extra pep this morning, I thought. One of the reasons is uh, they had this kind of like dueling piano thing going on. Uh, so Austin's up here in the, in the corner, and then this is Jacob here. And I, it, just, it just felt like everyone was doing better because they were trying to kind of like outdo each other. There was a little bit of that. So I just thought, well, just before I start, this is going to actually help me with my sermon. We'll just, we'll let you do that. So here, come on, Jake. Just give us, just give us a little, just come on, really do it for a second here. Come on, come on, yeah. All right, that was good. Yeah, that was good. All right, now, are we ready, Ryan? We're going to get Austin the chance to. All right, now, Austin, yeah, 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 come on. So uh, who's having the feeling like I could practice for a thousand years and I wouldn't be able to do that? Anybody with me? I want to talk to you today about how people give us power. I was watching, getting ready uh, to teach to you and knowing this message, I was watching the way that one person sings really well and then the next person wants to sing really well because they're singing really well. I watch it when my boys play sports when one of the guys on the team makes a good play, the next guy wants to make a good team. And People have a tendency, the people around us have a tendency to multiply the good or to multiply the bad. People give us power. I want to, um, I started last week in the book of James in chapter 5. If you have a Bible, I hope you'll get there. Now, uh, these last chunk of verses in the book of James in chapter 5, um, we've been teaching this month, um, and you can, you're both good now. I don't know. I was done with that, but that was cool. I appreciate that you're still hanging out. Yeah, you can stay the whole time too. That's great. James chapter 5, the last bunch of verses, I'll read you first what I taught about last week and then what I want to teach you about this week. It says this, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. I want to talk to you today about how uh, people give us power. 
about how people give us power. One of the reasons that so many people around us are struggling right now is that some intersection of the way that uh, the phones in our pockets told us they would help us be more connected, but time has revealed make us feel, feel more lonely. There's that thing. Maybe you've experienced that. You remember at the beginning, it was like, oh, we're all going to be connected. It'll be awesome. We'll all feel more connected. But then time goes on, and you realize that it kind of makes you feel more bummed out or more jealous or more disconnected. Somehow, there's this part. And then something about what happened during the, the COVID era has produced uh, what many people are calling a loneliness epidemic around our world. Um, I just read a shocking study this week that says nearly half of all Americans, 49% in 2022, reported having fewer than three close friends. A close friend defined as someone you could call when you were having a difficult time. This marks a nearly two-fold increase from 1990 when that same thing, only 27% of Americans said they had three or fewer close friends. There's so many trends that point to this, but the point is that many people feel very alone. And we need people, and I would venture to say the people of God, to fuel us to walk the race that we have in front of us. Uh, I have a friend that used to say it this way, and I think it's true that uh, relationship, I think I have a slide for this, uh, relationship is the antidote to trauma, uh, self-inflicted or otherwise. So what happens is, um, and this is going to take us to this passage I just read to you in a second, what happens is um, you lose your job and you find out that all the people that you worked with weren't actually friends but just coworkers. And it makes you at the next job just like not really want to talk to anybody, just do your work and get that paycheck and go home. You, you are in a group of people at a church and the group kind of fizzles and the, one of the people hurts you or betrays you in some way. You go through a divorce. You, you go through some like bad relational thing. And then what you say to yourself is, I don't want to feel like that again, so I just will never let that happen to me again. And the way that I'll never let that happen to me again is I will never put myself in the position of being hurt like that again. And so many people... Put that slide just back up. So many people are so lonely, and part of the reason is they aren't willing to put themselves out there to receive that the only way to solve what's broken in the relationships that you've had is by replacing them with the good and the blessed and the healthy ones. That only people can heal the thing in you that people did to you. Those pills aren't going to heal it. That doctor isn't going to, they're going to help. They can help. They can help. They can help. So that brings us to uh, our text today, starting in verse 16, where James, who's the brother of Jesus, says, Therefore, so because of what we've just said, confess your sins to one another, that you may be healed. Why? Because the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. People give us power in three ways. The first one is this, when we confess our sin honestly. So this idea here, uh, this idea of confess your sins one to another is the idea of full, frank, open confession. Now, that's not something that very many people feel comfortable with, and we don't even like to use that word really anymore, that word sin. We like words that kind of soften the edge of it. Like, I, I made a mistake, I had a slip up, I, you know, this kind of softens the edge and makes it not completely my fault. 
So sin, biblically speaking, uh, is any time we go against the standard that God has set. And the Bible paints a picture that each of us is sinning multiple times all along the way every single day, that it's not this sort of like never happens kind of thing, but a constant state that we live in of struggling to live up to our own standards and desires. And what is being described here, I think I have it from James 1, what this is described as how this happens, um, just a few chapters earlier. Each person is tempted, idea to sin, when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. That desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Sin is a, it's, it's a trick. We think that we're reaching for something that is going to bless us or help us or satisfy us or make us feel happy, and then it always has the same thing. It, it takes us further than we want to go. It makes us stay longer than we wanted to stay. It makes us pay more than we wanted to pay. I was just uh, talking with some friends about uh, a friend who's really going through a difficult time right now, and I just said this week, I was on the phone with somebody, I said out loud, sin is so destructive. Sin is so destructive. And what's happening here is James is saying, so what you want to do with that sin in your life is you should confess it to one another and pray for one another. Do you see? I'm just reading you what the Bible says, that you may be healed. So this confession of sin is this idea of humble honesty about the reality of sin. That's a little different than like a, it's not asking here for a public retelling of the fact. Here, come here, Kurt. You're in the sermon. Come on. <laughs> Kurt, who was leading worship today, uh, is one of my dearest friends. He's here from sunny Los Angeles, California. And uh, he picked a good time <laughs> to come to town, didn't he? It's beautiful outside. It's, yeah. Um, just as an aside, it shows you perspective. Uh, Kurt and Musette, who are here, uh, they have a son who, he just turned nine, is that right? He just turned 10. And he's like, did a snow angel yesterday for like the first time ever in his life, and he thinks it's awesome. So it's just like anything, right? Like, you know, we think is a curse, other people think is a blessing, and you're ungrateful if you're complaining about the weather, is my point. And get it together, you sinners. So, so what often happens in relationships, uh, and the reason why we struggle to form relationships where we can honestly talk to each other about our foolish choices and pray for each other towards being healed of our foolish choices. The reason why we struggle with this so much is that most relationships end up having a hierarchy, one person above another person. The way that this verse is written, do you see it? It says, confess your sins to one another and pray for, do you see it again, one another. So Many religious traditions have the idea of you showing up to the important guy wearing the shirt with the collar and you tell him your sin and then he tells you that maybe you can be forgiven or something. The reason why, although probably good intentioned, I would suggest that is not biblical uh, is that we don't want to and will not form the habit of bringing confession of our struggle or sin unless we are receiving it in a mutual relationship from the person just the same. Uh, a different way of saying it is uh, accountability. It's that idea of like being held to your sin without mutuality is a receipt or a recipe. You could choose either. I chose receipt for duality. What am I saying? If you're in a relationship with someone where all you do is you tell them your struggles but they don't tell you theirs, what will end up happening is you'll end up starting to shave off the edge, lie, not tell the truth. Only in, and this is why I brought Kurt up. Kurt is one of my dearest friends. 
Uh, and we often spend time, whenever he comes to town, wherever I go to town, talking really, really honestly about the good and the bad, the up and the down, the real stuff. Real stuff. Not like the real stuff that you would bring out, like pretending to be the real stuff. Right. Like all the way down to the bottom. But the only way that it works is one person has to share, and then the other person has to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm struggling. Maybe it's the same way, maybe it's a different way. But only when it becomes mutual like that does it become something that it can actually bring healing. Thank you. What does he mean in this text when he says that you may be healed? So confessing is being honest. Then praying for each other is doing something. What is it doing? It's pointing at both your sin being forgiven and for the consequences of your sin being navigated. It's praying for both. The Bible, a lot more than we're comfortable with, has the idea that the things that are happening to us physically and the things that are happening in our lives situationally are a lot more put together than we're sometimes willing to be honest about. So he's saying, if this is where we got when we started with this last week, if there's something wrong, one of the things to do if there's something wrong in your life is to try to get every dark thing, every secret thing, every habit that you've been struggling with for a long time, every difficult thing, out into the open. Don't yell it out in a crowded room. For the Lord's sake, don't post it on the Internet. Get with someone that you can trust, and maybe you have to be the one to go first and say, I've never told anybody this, but I really need to tell somebody. And when that happens and you pray for each other, some really powerful things start to happen. You can be healed. You can be healed. What does that mean? It means that you can have assurance that your sin is forgiven. I'll talk about that in a second. And you also can have some power from a friend to help you navigate the reality of the consequences that always come for sin. What I'm saying is we go to God for forgiveness, but we go to each other for assurance of forgiveness and practical process to keep on growing. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Uh, so when we uh, moved into this church building last fall, or like a year ago the fall, um, I met our neighbor. You've got a picture of him. Uh, his name was Bob. The empty lot behind our building used to be a house that he had lived in since the 1950s. And uh, he was a veteran and was unable to kind of keep the place up to standard. And so eventually the city wouldn't let him live there anymore because he couldn't pay the electrical bills. And our church was able, through the generous giving of everybody here, to buy his house. Uh, which wasn't salvageable, and help him. He's living in a veteran's uh, like place right now. And him and I hang out relatively often. Every time he needs something, he calls me on the phone, and I go pick him up and take him from place to place, whatever. Uh, I mean, it's great, but I'm not trying to tell you that story, so you'll be impressed by that. I'm telling you the story for this reason. Him and I will get driving in the car, and, uh, and every so often he'll start talking, and he'll start like getting really emotional. And he'll start talking about uh, some bad choices that he made when he was serving overseas uh, in the military in like the mid-1960s. And he'll start saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I promised God I would never do it again. I'm so sorry. I promised God. And I've had to look at him many times and say, hey, Bob, if you've confessed your sin, God has already forgiven you. And I just need you to know, my man, God has forgiven you. And I know when you're saying you promise you won't do it, I know. I know, I know you won't. And my role in that is not to forgive. I can't forgive him. God forgives him.
But we need people sometimes to remind us, I know you're not going back there. I know you're not going back to that relationship. I know you're not going back to that habit. I know we've already dealt with it. Yeah, it was sin, but we dealt with it. We're not going back there. And some of us have stuff that we're holding on to from high school, from college, from some bad weekend back somewhere that we roll over in our mind. And God's not impressed because he already forgave us for it. We're not helping him by continuing to punish ourselves. And what so many people desperately need is a trusted person that they can open up to about this type of thing just so that the person can say, thanks for trusting me with that. You know what? God forgave you. And we don't need to keep running this over in our mind. I think I've made the point. One of the ways that people give us power is when we confess our sin honestly. Now look at this next part. It's amazing. James continues, verse 17. He says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. James is referencing a story from back in uh, 1 and 2 Kings. The famous prophet Elijah went towards King Ahab and Queen Jezebel and said, God is bringing a drought to the land to get the people's attention. It's basically and then if you know, if you're familiar with the Bible, this is where uh, Elijah ends up on the top of a mountain and there's like 450 prophets praying to a false god and just Elijah and then fire comes down from heaven. It's an amazing biblical story. Someone should make a movie out of it someday. And then eventually when that part was over, Elijah prayed. It didn't rain while Elijah was praying and then it rained. And we hear that and it's like miracle, God, magic, wow. But James brings it up to say, hey, listen, friends, he wasn't any different than you. He didn't have access to something you don't have. The way that people give us power is to assess others second, assess others accurately. Here's what I mean by this. Elijah did a miracle through the power of God. And James goes out of his way to say, just so you know, he's not any different than you. Just so you know, he's not any different than you. I, uh, I mean, obviously, you could tell if you looked at me, I played a lot of basketball growing up. Um, people say to me, like, what team did you play for? Like, was it the, did you stop at college? Did you go to the NBA? You know, people often ask me stuff like that. And I played uh, a lot of basketball all th- uh, through high school and everything. And I remember the day when I realized that there were people that were going places playing basketball, and I was not going to be one of those people. I was uh, at the University of Illinois, Chicago, right uh, near downtown, and I was playing in a tournament. And I was like, you know, down in my stance and I was all excited to play defense you know I was with tryhards you know bent bent down hit the floor okay here we go I was already I was already I was maybe 15 and then this guy came dribbling towards me and I mean I like stepped to the right and about the time I stepped to the right he was dunking about six feet behind me Uh, yeah this guy's name was Sean Docker he ended up playing in the NBA but I remember that day being like okay so I remember it's like so vividly it like dawned on me I was like oh okay so some of these guys are going to be like on the tv and everything and cool but I'm not going to be one of those people And it doesn't feel like it at the time, but those moments of self-realization are good moments. But we have a tendency to think that there's like some spiritual thing like that, don't we? Like there's some people that have access that we don't have. There's some people that have gifts that we don't have. There's some people that have faith that we don't have. And there are people that have developed their faith and their habits in ways that you haven't, but not in ways that you can't. The only difference between them and you is the time that they've put into it. One of the things that's so important 
when you get involved in church and you get growing in faith is to realize that the ground is level at the cross of Jesus Christ. He said, Elijah was a person just like you. He had a nature just like you. He wasn't more special. He didn't have special knowledge. He didn't have special access. He wasn't some especially brilliant person. All that he had was the willingness to believe God for what God said could happen and to pray by faith, and then he saw miraculous things happen. God gives us different gifts, but he gives us equal access. He prayed by faith. We've been working really hard at this here. We've been working really hard at praying all this month. So many of us have been gathering in different ways believing that God didn't just do miracles in the past that we could read about in the Bible. He wants to do amazing things right now in this city, in this church, things that you have never seen before. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed fervently that it wouldn't rain, and then for three years it didn't rain. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain and bore its fruit. Is that crazy or what? He said in the last verse... You see it in verse 16, he says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. That doesn't mean a person with a special righteousness. It means any person who believes that because of what Jesus Christ has done, nothing in the past is holding them back any longer or anymore. That idea, the prayer of a righteous person has this word in it, the word fervently. It's the idea to set on fire or to burn. There is something about the prayer that is filled with faith that has emotion attached to it that does something significant. I guess, and this may sound harsh, but I'm saying it to myself just as much as I'm saying it to all of you. It is our laziness, not God's reluctance, that keeps us from seeing miracles. They're not up in heaven right now being like, no, nah, we're not going to do anything over there. What, Palatine? <laughs> the only reason we aren't seeing God bring prodigals home and bring healings that the doctor says that they can't, I don't know how it happened, but God did it, and seeing more and more people, even the most unlikely people, come to faith, the only reason that we aren't seeing things like what we see in the Bible is because many of us aren't willing to get on our knees and ask God in faith for it to happen. Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours, and he kept it from reigning in the whole country for three and a half years. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. So what we need to do is not lean back like the special time was some time in the past. I believe, I want to just speak to this for just a couple of minutes, I believe with a ton of faith that our world is in a time of like intense shifting, Something about the COVID era and the just intense divide and the way that sin and evil and darkness in so many places in our culture is not just tolerated but celebrated. All of that means that the gospel is about to make an incredible impact in the community. Because when people find that their sin doesn't make them happy, it makes them miserable. They look around and they say, what else is there? And a holy God and a loving community with grace and a fresh start is the most attractive thing in the universe to someone who's realized that the sinful way isn't the way that's going to work. And we don't need to have this kind of like hunkering down. We've talked about this a bunch lately. 
hovering, fearful, it's so bad out there, we just need to kind of like grit our teeth and make our way. No, dear friends. God placed every person who can hear me right now in this place, in this time in history. And the same God who has done amazing things in the past wants to do amazing things in us, in you, in your family, in this church, in this community right now. The thing that is going to decide whether or not we see those things happen is our willingness to rise up in faith, work again towards seeing it, and we're going to see God do amazing things. And this is how James finishes it. It's beautiful. I love it. This is the last part. This is the last part of his, this little letter that he wrote. My brothers, if anyone among you uh, wanders from the truth and then someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. The third way that people give us power is when we pursue wanderers fervently. I'm a, I'm a bit of a wanderer. Do I have anybody in the house who would say that they're a bit of a wanderer? Anybody got some of that? Some of that's, yeah, of course, Ken out in the hallway. Of course you are, Ken. Anybody else? Yeah, feel like they got a little bit of that? There's so many people that you meet that have some story. Uh, it's funny, I don't know if you, this may not be obvious to you, but when you're a, a pastor, um, people like, they, they tend to overshare a little. So I'll meet people places and... Uh, you know, I don't know, ordering coffee or whatever. And so, what do you do? Oh, I'm, I'm a pastor at this church down the street. And they're always are like, I used to go to church and then this thing happened and then I just stopped going and I really do need to get back there. And I, I mean, I pray in everything and I do really believe in God. I just, I don't know. And then I, here's your coffee. It's kind of like how it goes. And you're kind of like, that was a lot of things you just said to me. But it's because a lot of people have this kind of thing like somewhere that uh, they want to have more faith than they have. They want to be more in church than they are. They want something more than what they currently have. And it's because a lot of people wander from the truth. That's what he's talking about. Let's describe well. This is in the book of Ezekiel. I bet you haven't been here lately, but this is what he's kind of referencing, I think, by the wording. It's helpful here. You can put it on the screen. When a righteous person, this is in the book of Ezekiel, turns away from his righteousness and does injustice and does the same abomination that the wicked person does, shall he live? None of the righteous deeds that he has done shall be remembered, for the treachery of which he is guilty and the sin he has committed, for them he shall die. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not just. Here now, O Israel, is my way not just? Is it not your ways that are not just? This is from Ezekiel. He's referencing it here in James. It's the point what does it mean when someone wanders from the truth? It brings up this obvious question. Uh, let, let me just do it this way. Who, show of hands in just a second. Who by show of hands could think of some people that used to say that they had faith in Jesus and consistently be involved in church but are no longer like that anymore? Who could think of some people if I made you like give a list? Come on, show of hands, show of hands, show of hands, come on. Okay, good. Raise your hand if you are one of those people. No, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> I won't embarrass you. And it presents us with this question that we have to answer. Who is a person... What does it mean? Like, does it mean that they never actually had the faith when they said they did? Or does it mean that they're a person who has gone on a detour and needs to be brought back? Well, the answer is we don't know until the end of their life is the answer. On the one hand, the Bible is clear that God knows those who are his 
And if a person genuinely has faith in Jesus Christ, saving faith, nothing can take that faith away. Yet the Bible is also clear that there are lots of people who say they have faith, but it didn't actually make it all the way down. Remember, that's what this whole set of messages is about. Uh, we were talking about this idea of a paper tiger. It's someone who looks like something, but isn't actually the thing that they look like. And there are lots of people, uh, Jesus said, there's going to be people who like did miracles, and they're going to show up and say, Lord, what about all this? And I'm going to say, I never knew you. What's the point? The point is, is that only those who continue on in faith reveal that they have true saving faith. And so this verse here is pushing us towards, if anyone among you wanders from the truth. That doesn't have to just mean Christian doctrine, like that verse I referenced. It just means like someone who used to be moving forward in faith and now isn't. If you know someone like that, bring them back. Because if you bring them back, if you bring them back from their wandering, you will save their soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. How do you bring someone back? I think this verse gives us three pretty clear things. Uh, we bring someone back gently. Doesn't really work to like tell them, like, hey, you need to get your act together, you loser. Come on with me to church. That one doesn't really work too well. I don't know if it ever did. It doesn't work now. You bring someone back persistently, and uh, you bring someone back for sure repeatedly because people who wander tend to be wanderers. There's this uh, knucklehead friend of mine uh, that I've known for a long time who comes to church here every so often, and uh, then he just disappears. And he, like, doesn't answer the phone, and he just kind of falls off the radar and about, I don't know, uh, the beginning of the summer, however long ago that was, he was sitting in my office right before Thursday service because I tell him to come like an hour before it starts because then that usually means he kind of makes it about the time it starts. Do you have any of those people in your life? We have to kind of, like, yeah, you got to kind of, yeah, you, oh, I wasn't going to say anything. You said, yeah, you are a bit like that, but it's all right. But you got some of those people, and he was sitting in my office, and he was like, all of a sudden he got this look in his eyes that I've seen. He's like, I got to go. And I was like, all right, now don't do that thing. Don't do that thing that you do where you just like say you got to go like get coffee and then I don't see you for six months and you like change your phone number and stop being a Christian and then everything falls apart and then like you call me from prison and I got to come get you and we start the whole cycle over. And he was like, I promise I'll be right back. That was the last time I saw him in this building actually was when that happened. But he'll call. He will. And there is something about I don't know, I can't like perfectly put this in a box for you, but there is something about having an eye for people who are weak and fall off the tracks and just grabbing their, grabbing their hand and pulling them back, grabbing their hand and pulling them back. There is something about the doing of that that doesn't just help the person that you're grabbing onto, it helps the person doing it too. That's what he's saying. Do you see it? He says, I don't know what it is exactly about this, but when you save a wanderer, you... You save their soul from death, and you cover a multitude of sins. He's not just saying there you cover a multitude of the wanderer's sins. It covers a multitude of your own. Why? Because the thing that destroys people of faith more than anything is self-righteousness. More than anything. What is the thing that people can't stand about church people? It's that they think they're better than me thing. Can I get a witness? Am I telling the truth? Can I get a witness? Am I telling the truth? They are like, I just, I like Jesus, but those people and the, the, just the, the thing, whatever that is. And so there's something about getting around people that are struggling 
This is why so often God gives, uh, I mean, why often God gives us struggles with kids that we're trying to raise is because there's something about your kids struggling that makes you like impossible to start acting like you've got it all together. I'm seeing nods all over the room. There is something about that self-righteous thing that destroys. And so God wants us to, as much as we can, get around people who need to be gently pulled back towards him because it doesn't just help them, it helps us. If you never come back when you're a wanderer, you're probably not saved. That's the truth. That isn't an easy truth, but it is the truth. The biblically speaking, there is tons of space for wandering, but those who are truly of and in the family of God have a way of finding their way back. It is also true that uh, this is why we must uh, take great care and attention to pay attention to the three things that James is talking about here if we want to have power ourselves. I don't mean power in some like weird, I think you know by now, I don't mean it in like some weird magical way. I mean, uh, we want to have the real thing. We don't want to just seem like something. We want to be something. So uh, this happened this week in such a funny way. Um, Kristen and I, because we are raising kids together and working together and like living life together, we kind of have like a, Kristen and I, my wife, we have a, we're calling each other all day long about various different things. And we kind of have like a, if you don't, if you can't answer because you're doing something, no problem. But like, if it's like we really need to talk, we have kind of like a little text code to just help us like know if this is like a serious, it's like that thing like where Michael Scott has like level four emergency, level three emergency. And he's like, the first two levels you don't even need to worry about. I don't know, maybe you don't even know what I'm talking about. It doesn't matter. The point is, I missed a call from her and then she texted me right away and she was like, I got a great story. You're really going to want to hear it. I was like, oh my gosh, good news. That never happens, right? So I, and so she's like, okay, this was great. I took Felicity, she's our five-year-old daughter, I took her to uh, this play cafe place, and we had so much fun, and then we were walking out, and she found two $100 bills. And it was like out in a parking lot, so it was like kind of like, you know that thing where you like should go inside and see if you can find who they are, it was impossible. And so our five-year-old, she, uh, then they FaceTimed me, and she was like gripping them. <laughs> this, she was so excited, she was so excited, she'd got this money. And our daughter's like at that phase and stage where she started talking about all the stuff she was going to, you know, she was going to buy a car, she was going to buy a dog. It was like, because she had no sense of, she was all excited, all excited, all excited, all excited. And so then Kristen kind of was like negotiating with her. Fifi's holding the money in the car seat while Kristen's driving. She's like negotiating with her about what they're going to do, not do. And they settled on, they were going to get her like a little toy from that store five below, and they were, she, they were going to get her her favorite thing from Starbucks. So they pull into the Starbucks line, they order, they get to the front. She's like, okay, Fifi, you got to give me the money now. She takes the money, she hands it. The lady at the front looks at it and is like, um, ma'am, this is play money? Um, and they show me later. Like, I mean, it says right on. I mean, they looked like really real dollar bills, but it was. And she was like so embarrassed, of course. <laughs> Fifi still got like still because it's like then you like don't want to disappoint the kids. So, of course, like our daughter still got the drink and the toy because that like became more of a thing. It's just, I think when it, so, and I should have brought it up. There's this great picture of her holding money. It's great. It's such a funny story that I can't wait to tell for, like, forever. That fake money wasn't going to be able to buy anything. Nothing. It's not the real thing. And we, dear friends, this world is too dark, and our lives are too short, and eternity is too important for us to risk being something that looks like the real thing but isn't the real thing. 
And so I want to just challenge you. What is in this message is that part of so much of it is getting on the right terms with God. Okay, we'll be working on that. But a lot of what helps us grow is also in building relationships with other people. That's what this message is about. I want to throw this slide up again. We've got a whole bunch of Bible studies that are starting and different things to get involved in during the week. Some of them are uh, in person. Some of them are like digital, like jump on Zoom kind of things. And uh, some of, there's like a bunch of stuff. And you can find it at the Church Center app and also on our website. And a bunch of them are starting this week. And I, uh, I just want to encourage you if you want to take a step forward, there are some steps that we need to take that more praying and more reading the Bible by myself, I'm not going to be able to take those steps just by doing that. I know that sounds crazy, but anybody experience that to be true? Sometimes just trying harder, by, it's not going to get me there. Sometimes I need the relationship thing. And so it may be that if you want to take a step forward from not being just the fake thing but the real thing, this is what you need to do. I want to encourage you by faith um, now with whatever influence I have in your life that jumping into one of those things, sign up. There's all kinds of things that are starting. If you don't see what you would like to be part of there, why don't you start it and we'll put it on the screen. That sounds great too. Let's all pray together. Then we're going to sing just a little bit and then we're going to go to the brunch downstairs, which we'd love for you to join us for. Lord, I want to pray for every person here that you would help us not just to be something that seems like something, but that you would help us to be the real thing. We want to be the real thing, filled with faith, filled with strength, filled with the power that comes only from you. God, you're good, and we praise you, and we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. This has been the Good News Neighborhood Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the song. I hope it's been helpful to you. We'll see you again soon. This is good news.